this summer. Wherever you're heading in the great outdoors, make your first stop the Home Depot for off deep woods or active sweat-proof bug spray. Right now, get any three for just 10 bucks in your backyard or in the woods. If it's long-lasting protection you want or sweat-proof performance you need, when off goes on, bugs go away. Stock up now on off deep woods or active bug spray. Three for just 10 bucks. Only at the Home Depot. More saving, more doing while supplies last. This podcast contains explicit material that may not be suitable for all listeners. For those of you brave enough to stick around, enjoy the show. Oh, here I go. But let your players get near me. Holler if you hear me. Oh, there I go. Welcome to the We Still Booze Podcast, brought to you by WideRightNattyLight.com, your one-stop Iowa State online blog shop. Throw me the bootleg and I'm gone. Then I take a few steps and I keep left and the people take a deep breath and I'm up in your end zone. 816 boys, we reference connected with Iowa State. Play out a position and it's checkmate if you hesitate. You've been told offense and Welcome Cyclones. Happy Thanksgiving week to you. Uh, the basketball team sits at 3-0 after putting up 130 points uh, on Sunday, including a triple-double from Monte Morris in just about 22 minutes. Uh, today, though, we're here to talk a little bit about those first three games, but then mainly preview the Advocare invitation uh, down in uh, Florida. I'm going to bring in the boss, Kevin, here in just a little bit. But before I do... Please don't forget to hit subscribe if you're listening on iTunes and leave us a review. Uh, We've had some creative ones. If you're listening to the last episode, well, you heard one of those. more creative, the better. We'll read them on air if we get them. Otherwise, we'll have to make some up. So at this point, Kevin, I want to reach out. Thanks for for coming in tonight. Uh, What are the chances do you think that uh, Iowa State scores 130 again this season? Well, I I don't think they're going to have the perfect storm of having Citadel's tempo and their lack of defense. So chances are slim. Um, But I took a quick look at Ken Palm here, and we've got uh, Iowa's actually up there in adjusted tempo too. They're uh, 15th in the nation right now, but obviously their defense is much better for efficiency than uh, the Citadel is. So my guess is we won't see 130 again, but we very well could see 100. You know, they, they've relatively breezed through these first three games. Uh, the, the quality of opponent has been less than stellar, uh, to put it mildly there. Is there anything that you think that we can actually take from these first three games, or is it a matter of getting your victories, getting the rotations down, and, and getting some of the new guys on the court in, in Hilton Coliseum? Yeah, I think like a lot of the – National media have pointed out Iowa State has played a really terrible schedule so far in these first three games. But um, the one thing that I do like is that a lot of different guys are getting minutes. So some of those guys that haven't played for a while, like a Nick Wilder Bab or uh, either the the transfers, any of those guys, they're getting some playing time and they're knocking that rust off. So um, we kind of know we have known commodities in our guards with Monte Morris, Matt Thomas, and Nazmi Trelong, obviously. So those guys have looked great. And uh, really, our offenses looked pretty good when they can get going. They had the slip-ups against Mount St. Mary's there that wasn't as good, but their defenses also played 
much better than we saw last year, and that might be a product of, you know, the uh, the opponents we played. But all in all, it's gone about as you would have expected for these first three games. And coming into the season, it to me, I almost team of spreading it out, shooting a ton of threes, uh, and kind of scoring from the perimeter. But I know on the in the group chat earlier today, you said, uh, well, in fact, the Cyclones were shooting, what was it, like 69 or 69% of their points were coming from from the two-point range. Is that right? Yeah, I think they were – I can't remember the exact percentage, but they were third in the nation as in their uh, – they were scoring that much uh, percentage for points from within the arc. Yep. And as long, he hasn't – his three-point shot doesn't – doesn't look like it's totally there yet. I think that'll come around. Uh, it's kind of encouraging to know that they're putting up uh, this many points without really the, the three ball or relying on the three ball, which, which is a good, uh, good omen moving forward. So although the, uh, the schedule so far has been relatively weak, if you look at the next couple of weeks, we've got the Advocare Invitational. Uh, we've got a matchup against Cincinnati. And then uh, about a week and a half after that, we've got uh, – trip to Iowa City with the Iowa Hawkeyes. So competition will set up. So at this point, uh, we're going to kind of preview what's going to happen down here. The Cyclones play Thursday, Friday, and Sunday in the Advocare Invitational. Uh, they start off on Thursday against Indiana State. The game's at 11.30 start. So depending on what time you, you cut open your turkey, you might be eating your pumpkin pie, or you might be dipping into your stuffing or your Natty Light or whatever it is you do on Thanksgiving. But You'll have some cycling basketball for once on Thanksgiving. So do you really have see Iowa State having any trouble with Indiana State um, on Thursday, Kevin? Uh, no, I don't see them really having any trouble with the other ISU. Um, I took a quick peek at what they've done so far this year, and their defense has been uh, average to slightly above average, but they don't really have much offensive firepower to hang with Iowa State, I don't think. Um they lost to Northern Illinois in overtime to open up the season. And then Northern Illinois uh, on Saturday lost to a two and two Cal state Northridge team. So that doesn't bode well for what looks like uh, Indiana state's strength of schedule. Um, but the Sycamores also have one really good guard uh, playing for them. And his name's Brenton Scott. And he's averaged over 22 points a game this season. Um, so I think if the Cyclones can shut him down, then I don't think the rest of their guys are, going to be able to put in enough points to hang with the Cyclones. Their head coach, Greg Lansing, uh, just got inducted into the Iowa High School Athletic Association Hall of Fame in, in 2016. So he has, some, he has some ties to the state of Iowa. But like you mentioned, uh, they really struggle on the offensive end. Uh, Ken Pomeroy has them ranked 243rd um, in offensive efficiency. That's out of 351 teams. Uh, they'll play a little slower, uh, but my concern, I guess, mainly is the early start. Uh, 11.30 a.m. is a lot earlier than, than teams are typically used to playing uh, college basketball. I know we saw what happened uh, against UAB a couple of years ago in that first game of the tournament. Is there really any concern with, with the start time, or should, these, uh, should we expect more out of these college athletes, Kevin? Uh, I, I don't have too many concerns about the start time personally. And I think uh, something that will help out in that regard, even if it is somewhat of a concern, is since we've gone so deep here in these first few games, 
you know, if that starting unit isn't going to get up and get going, then we always can bring a few guys off the bench, and hopefully they'll be fired up and get it going. So I'm not too concerned about the early start time. The other game in the top half of the bracket is Stanford against Miami. Uh, Miami will most likely be the favorite in that game. The Vegas Lions will come out probably Thursday morning. Uh, but speaking of Stanford first, I brought them up because uh, we were talking a little bit before this podcast, but there's a potential matchup there if Stanford advances or, you know, unfortunately if Iowa State loses and they play Stanford. Their coach is uh, Jared Haas. I believe I pronounced that right. He, he coached the UAB team that shocked the Cyclone Nation on um, that horrible Thursday morning. Um, but there's a chance that we could see a matchup with him. Uh, Stanford comes into the year. Uh, Ken Palm has them as the 65th best team. Uh, he would expect an Iowa State victory of around five or six points against Stanford if they matched up. They do They do play good defense. We saw that when he was at UAB. They struggled to score the ball a little bit. Uh, is there anything else that you're looking out for with Stanford in a potential matchup with the Cardinals? Uh, I, to be honest, I haven't looked up much about Stanford this year. I know that if they have Jared Hayes as their coach, then they're going to definitely be well coached. I think he, you know, lots of people don't like to revisit that UAB game, but he's a young and budding coaching star. So I think if he can get the Cardinal turned around, then he could even move on to an even better place than there. Well, he's a, he's a Roy Williams disciple, I believe, isn't he? I believe so. Yes. And uh, the the other interesting, uh, I kind of did some some research on Stanford. The other interesting tidbit was if you follow basketball recruiting a lot for for a while, uh, Cyclones were going after a guy by the name of Reed Travis out of Minnesota. He de- he decided to go out to Stanford and play basketball. He had multiple football and, and basketball offers. He's averaging 19 points and over 10 rebounds a game. So he's averaging a double double. Granted, uh, it's early in the season, but still pretty impressive for him uh and then the only other uh the guy that kind of stood out looking at some of their stats was dorian pickens he's nine for 18 from three so it'd be someone to keep an eye on going forward um i think iowa state advances past indiana state i think that uh miami goes ahead and beats stanford so let's go ahead and talk a little bit about the miami miami hurricanes kevin yeah sure um well, I guess as some of you may remember, last year they made it to the Sweet 16 just like Iowa State, um, and their opponent in the Sweet 16 was the national champion Villanova Wildcats, and uh, the Wildcats did blow them out. I think the score was in the 90s to the 60s or somewhere in that range. Um, but last year they were led by four seniors, and then they also had a former Kansas State point guard, Angel Rodriguez, on their team, but he's gone now, so... Uh, this year, they're going seven players deep through three games. Uh, they have seven guys averaging over 20 minutes a game. And their best player is Jaquan Newton, who's six foot two guard. Uh, he's averaging 15.7 points, 3.7 rebounds, and four assists per game. So he's kind of a do-it-everything kind of guy, maybe a little bit of a, a poor man's Monte Morris. Um, and then on Kempom, they're in the top 25 in both offensive and defensive efficiency. So they're pretty evenly balanced on both ends of the floor. Um, But like Iowa State, they've played a pretty weak schedule so far this season. Um, But of note, they've also – they only beat Ivy League team 
10 at home by 12 in a game that they turned the ball over 16 times. So um, that's something to look out for is if they if we get them going pretty quickly, then perhaps they'll uh, turn the ball over a lot because they like to slow down the tempo as opposed to Iowa State who likes to go up pace. So I'd look for Coach Prome to encourage Monte and Naz and Matt to get out and run the ball a lot when we play them, if we play them, of course. That might be where that token uh, three-quarter court pressure comes into play, get them speeding up a little bit, maybe make some, uh, you know, unforced errors, things like that. But as you mentioned, there is quite a discrepancy in, in tempo. They're one of the one of the slowest teams in, in college basketball, especially for uh, BCS-level teams or however you want, Power 5 teams, however you want to say that. It is kind of impressive when, when they hired Jim Laranagan. I, I wasn't so sure about the hire, but he's recruited well, and, and he's had that uh, that program turned around and, and going in the right direction, that's for sure. So at this point, uh, we want to move to the bottom half of the bracket. On the bottom half of the bracket uh, is, a, is a matchup between Gonzaga and, and Quinnipiac. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing that right. Uh, and then Seton Hall against Florida. So we'll start with uh, Gonzaga against Quinnipiac. Is there any any hope for an upset uh, over Gonzaga, Kevin? I would say no. Um, I'm a huge Mark Few fan, so I think he's going to have the Bulldogs ready to beat them. And it'll it'll the other game I think is going to be more of a competitive matchup between Seton Hall and Florida. So, um, in my opinion, the Bulldogs will play one of those two teams. So if this was the NCAA tournament, obviously, and we're sitting here looking at the bracket, we'd be rooting for, for Quinnipiac pretty hard on Thursday to knock off Gonzaga for an easier route to the Sweet 16, Elite 8, whatever it may be. As a fan, though, should we really be rooting like that, or are we looking to see the best competition possible down in Florida this week? I think at this point, Knowing that our schedule, our non-conference schedule isn't too tough, I think it'd be good to get at least get a shot at some of those those tougher teams. Because um, I guess going into the Big 12 conference this year, if we want to contend for a conference title, then we're going to need to get some licks in against these upper tier teams, so we won't get blindsided when you know the the Kansases and the Texases of the world come into Hilton and we have to go on the road. So I think it's good that. Uh, at this point, that a Gonzaga would win over a Quinnipiac. Let's look at, first at that Seton Hall versus Florida game. Uh, that might be outside of Stanford versus Miami. That might be one of the best best games of the day. It almost appears as though if you're seeding this, Iowa State and Gonzaga got the the one and two seeds, if you will, and then these are the uh, three, six, and four, five matchups. But Seton Hall, uh, some of us saw them beat Iowa in Iowa City the other night. Florida, I was kind of surprised as to, to where they were at on, on Ken Pomeroy looking them up here as, as to how good they are. They don't have uh, Billy the Kid Donovan anymore. He's coaching uh, he's coaching the Thunder, but they do have Mike White, who's formerly at Louisiana Tech. Is there anything that stands out? Uh, let's, let's start with maybe Florida. Is there anything that stands out that might give Iowa State a hard time uh, from the Florida Gators if they would face them either in the championship or the third-place game? Um, well, I guess in the if they played them in the championship or third place game, then Florida would I, b- I believe they'd be the best 
uh, defensive team that Iowa State would have played this year, even if they played uh, Miami. I think that's right. I might have to double-check that. But So I, I guess it wouldn't. It certainly wouldn't be playing the Citadel all over again, is what I'm trying to say. So absolutely Florida could cause us some problems on the offensive side of the ball that we haven't had to deal with this year. Um, and then I guess I, I did not watch the Seton Hall-Iowa game, but – I guess, could you offer any more insights as to what they do on on both sides of the ball? Well, they were they were actually, you know, I came away, uh, as much as it pains me to say this, but I, I came away pretty impressed with both those teams, including Iowa. Iowa, Iowa didn't necessarily play poorly, especially on the offensive end in that game. Uh, obviously, defensively, they struggled. They gave up about 93 points or so. Uh, but Seton Hall kind of spreads the – Spreads the ball around. Uh, they have uh, Kadeen Carrington as their leading scorer at 21.7 points per game. The name following recruiting, I know that he was there last year as well. I feel like that was a, a Matt Abdomassi target at one point in time. It seems like a lot of those guys that end up in the Big East were former former uh, Cyclone recruits that didn't make it to Ames. Uh, but they also have uh, Angel Delgado, it might be Angel, I'm not sure how to pronounce some of these names. He's averaging 15 points and 13, almost 14 rebounds a game um, for Seton Hall. But then the guy that almost looked most impressive to me uh, the other night was Miles Powell. Um, Miles Powell the other night, I'm, I'm looking it up here. He had, can't bring it up, but he. He's averaging 15, 15.3 points a game. I want to say that he went off for, for about 20 points the other night um, inside against against the Hawkeyes. But it's, you know, if I had to choose, I guess, if we're, if we're predicting this bracket, Seton Hall looked impressive enough to me to go ahead and advance them past Florida. I don't, I don't know a whole lot about Florida other than what, what the stats tell me. Um, but, but Seton Hall also did look awfully impressive. So, I guess at this point, Kevin, who do you see coming out of that bottom half of the bracket uh, opposite of the Cyclones? Well, I guess, uh, unlike you, I guess I haven't really watched any of those teams play this year, so I am strictly going off stats. Um, And in that regard, I just looked it up, and Ken Palm does have Florida as the fifth best team right now for uh, adjusted defense. So being a, a... a fan who puts a lot of uh, faith in good defensive teams. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised to see Florida be the one that comes out of that side of the bracket. I know everyone's uh, kind of thinking maybe Gonzaga would be the team that Iowa State would meet in the championship game should they they win on their side of the bracket. But for me, uh, I guess I'll, I'll go on record in saying I think it's going to be the Gators that will be coming out of that side. So either way, I think the important part uh, for the Cyclones is to win that first game I think the last thing that they would want to see happen is to to come out of Florida. I know I, I saw someone talking about the the Maui Invitational in the same way. When you have six out of the eight teams that are, are pretty solid, uh, you know, possibly turning contender teams. Should Iowa State lose that first game uh, to Indiana State, now all of a sudden they're they're looking at possibly leaving Florida with a loss against Indiana State, possibly a matchup against uh, Quinnipiac, and then maybe Stanford or someone along those lines. So the important part is to get to the semifinals, and then uh, hopefully you can play two out of the three of 
uh, Seton Hall, Florida, and Gonzaga going forward, and you have a good good gauge going into that matchup against Cincinnati. Kevin, what what should be a realistic goal for Iowa State, or what, what would be a good indicator of success for this three-game tournament? Yeah, um, I guess obviously the team's going to be gunning for, to win it all. That's their number one goal. But for me as a fan, um, I think it's pretty realistic to think that a successful tournament would be winning two out of three. Um, I think if they either win the first two and make it to the championship game or uh, win the first, lose the second, and then win the third game, um, I think that would be a successful tournament for me. Um, I guess I'm just not convinced that our big men will be uh, quite up to par with being able to run with those uh, posts from other Power 5 conference teams. Or I guess in Gonzaga, it's not Power 5, but, you know, they've been an upper-tier team for who knows how long. So, I mean, I think it's going to be a little bit of an adjustment for them, and I wouldn't see, I wouldn't be surprised to see them struggle a little bit on the boards and even trying to get the putbacks that they've been able to get against these uh, other teams that we played early on. So, um, even if they struggle um, in a game and we lose, we drop one down there, um, it's going to be a great learning experience no matter what. So, um, hopefully we can come back home and knock Cincinnati off at home inside Hilton and get some valuable experience before the, the conference slate picks up here at the end of the month. I think that's the biggest thing is as fans, it's tough. There's a, there's a stark contrast between football and basketball in that in football, you only get 12 games a year. So when you lose a game, it is almost like the sky is falling and, and there's a lot, there's a lot at stake with each of those 12 games. In basketball, not so much, but it, it seems like, and I know that after a, a poor football season, we're all hungry for, for cycling basketball. Um, but like any fan base, uh, cycling fan bases can kind of eat their own at times when, when things don't go so well. So I think it's important to, if there's a loss, maybe even two losses in this tournament, to not overreact um, going forward. Keep in mind, Iowa was in this exact tournament last year. I believe they lost their their first two, they beat a Wichita State game without Fred Van Vliet uh, or Ron Baker. One of the two was out. And then uh, later in the season, they, you know, were projected one seed just, uh, you know, one month after that. Granted, they kind of collapsed and ended up in the tournament still. But uh, don't put too much stock into this. Uh, if things go well, uh, that's a good thing. But if things don't, we'll, we'll treat it as a learning experience going forward. So, Let's say that they do sweep sweep the three games and win it all. Uh, where do you think that, that puts Iowa State at in relation to the rest of the teams? Uh, I know it's early to talk tournament time, but when we're talking rankings, rankings came out today. Where does that put Iowa State in terms of the rankings and maybe as far as the tournament seed at that point in the season, do you think, Kevin? I think if they got two wins down there over you know the upper-tier programs that we're talking about, and I would think that would put them at least top 15, maybe top 10, sneak in there a little bit. Um, and then if they can continue to play that well against teams like that all year long, then I, I would have to say that they'd be on the fast track to roughly a two or a three seed in the NCAA tournament. I mean, obviously things can change a lot throughout the course of the season, but if if Iowa State plays to their potential almost all, all year long and the guards obviously are – 
the big driving force behind the performances and, you know, putting up a lot of points on the board and plus an improved defense, then absolutely the sky's the limit for this team. With a couple couple minutes left here, so I wanted to get your thoughts outside of the tournament here on outside of Monte Morris and maybe even Matt Thomas and Adlon. Let's throw throw those three out. Who's been the the most impressive, in your opinion, on on Iowa State's roster so far? Who? That's a tough one. Um, I know, I know, I know. I'm putting you on the spot a little bit. So listen, Kevin, yeah, Kevin didn't are. know that this question was coming, but yeah, that's right, that's fine. Um, honestly, I've been I've been pretty impressed by Nick Weiler, Bab, and Daryl Bowie. Um, I, I I don't know if I can pick between one of those two. I I like what Nick has been able to do. Um, he's kind of that uh, bigger guard that Iowa State sometimes hasn't had in the past. Uh, I guess so far, in my opinion, he's kind of been like a almost like a Will Clyburn without the outside shot so far this year. He's just pretty athletic, kind of a lanky guy who can defend, you know, multiple positions out there on defense. So he's been great. Uh, He hasn't put up necessarily the points that, you know, those other guards will put up, but he's been very versatile. And I think Chrome loves that he can slap him on any guy on defense and he can feel comfortable with him out there. And then Daryl Bowie, he's, uh, he's a lot more versatile on offense than I figured he was. Uh, He's got a pretty decent handle for a big guy, and I've seen him drive past a few uh, opposing defenders with with relative ease. So I guess if he can bring some of that, you know, taking big men off the dribble, it's just another wrinkle on Iowa State's offense, kind of like a a bigger Deontay Burton in that regard. Um, It's just another thing that Iowa State can throw at you and other teams have to game plan for. So it's great to have both of those guys out there. I asked you that question because I was, I was wondering if you were going to say uh, Nick Weiler-Babb because to me, as unimpressive as he was in the exhibition game, once once the lights kind of came on during the regular season, to me, he stood out. Uh, granted, in the stat sheet, maybe he hasn't been the leading scorer or things like that, but his athleticism in terms of getting to the rim, I think he's a big reason why such a high percentage of the points are coming from the paint. He's a type that he has that uh, – you know, I'm not a. I'm more of an analytics guy. I don't like those long two-point shots, but but damn it, if he doesn't pull into the elbow and, and hit it just about every time, and I think that adds an element to your offense that helps with spacing and, and things like that going forward. So, I'm kind of glad we were on the same page there. I was wondering your opinion with that. So I guess yeah, at this absolutely. point, I want to wrap and, it know, up with. with sorry, go ahead. I was going to see what uh, what other thoughts you had with the with the tournament or the team. Before we before we wrap this up, so you can finish your thought thought at this point. Yeah, well, I mean, for this tournament coming up, um, for me, what I'm going to be looking for is the difference between this year's team and last year's team. In my opinion, is going to be how well they can de- they can defend and how well they can rebound. Because I think lots of times last year with George Niang and even Jamil McKay to an extent. Those guys weren't the best on defense. Um, you know, George, is, George wasn't that great early on in his career, but he eventually got to be at an average level, at least on defense. But then uh, last year, Jameel was a little bit more passive because he knew that he had to stay on the floor because uh, we didn't have much depth in the post. So uh, 
I guess knowing that we have a few guys who we can throw in there uh, after Holden, if he gets a few fouls, like a like a Bowie or a Solomon Young, it's 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 nice to know that we can get out there and be more aggressive. So, you know, if they can pull on the boards consistently, not give up second chances on offense, um, I think that's going to go a long way to success for this year's team. So they're going to be able to put up points at a decent clip because, you know, they've got some offensive firepower. But at, against these big teams, you want to look for how well they rebound and how well they defend because that's going to be uh, very telling about the success of this year's team. I'm glad you brought that up. Uh, watching watching the game on TV the other night, uh, they kind of made a point to talk about how Solomon Young had averaged four and a half fouls a game or, or whatever it was, maybe per 40 minutes. I'm not sure exactly how the stat was phrased, but Holden's been picking up a lot of fouls too, and there's a lot of people I think that, that see that as a negative. And to me, thinking back to last year, there's a lot of times where George just couldn't get in foul trouble. Jameel couldn't get in foul trouble. They were so thin that there was times where they literally had to, if they got it in the post, they had to let them score or they had to stand there like a statue almost doing the mannequin challenge and just watching them put the ball in ball in the hoop. And I think this year that'll help knowing, uh, and in the opponent's mind, knowing that they aren't going to get an easy hoop. They might get fouled. They might have to earn their shots and there's a little more depth there. I think that'll be, uh, that'll be an advantage to this year's team in terms of interior defense. I think uh, there's a little bit more toughness, and I think there's definitely some more fouls to give, if you will. I think, as funny as it sounds, there's times last year where Iowa State maybe didn't even foul enough. There's there's too many easy hoops inside, especially later in the game when uh, when they had personal fouls to give. Uh, they they let them have the the baskets too easy. I think there's there's some times where you've got to just make them make them earn it at the line. Completely agree. Well, we're going to go ahead and uh, wrap this up, Kevin. So, where can uh, all of our dozens of listeners catch you? Uh, catch you on Twitter. You can catch me at k fitzy eighty seven. Very good. Well, well, thanks for joining us. You have a uh, you have a good Thanksgiving. Are you doing some, are you doing some traveling? Uh, traveling home. Yeah, I'll be. Had hitting the trail to Oskaloosa and spending lunch with my family and then going to the girlfriends for dinner uh, at night. So it'll be a good day. Very good. Well, that was Kevin. Uh, he kind of runs the place here at Wide Right Natty Light. As always, we have one. If you're listening in the car, please drive safe. Have a good Thanksgiving. Versus Indiana State on Thursday at 11:30 a.m. I'm on iTunes as always. They'll come right to uh, right to your iPhone or wherever you listen to these podcasts at. Uh, and if you're bored, you've got a long long commute like I do. Uh, catch up on past podcasts. There's a lot of good ones on recruiting. Uh, there's an interview with Paul Shirley. There's some good stuff out there. We'll we'll look forward to bringing some more guests on here going forward. Thanks to Jake McDonough for the, the intro and outro music. Uh, go Cyclones. Hopefully uh, this time next week we're talking about an Advocare Invitational Championship. Have a good one.
To promote my new flower shop, I had one place print my business cards, another print my brochures, and a third, my signs. Now my roses aren't red, my violets aren't blue, my geraniums look dead, and I don't know what to do. Staples can help your business stand out with signs, banners, and brochures that are a true reflection of your company. And now at Staples, spend $50 or more on print and marketing services and get $5 off your next in-store purchase. Now my business is blossoming and I'm spending less green. Exclusions apply. In-store only. And 623.18.